Matt McCall joining the Sports Drive now, college basketball analyst, uh, former coach at Chattanooga and UMass, and also a national champion assistant with Billy Donovan at Florida. Matt, how's it going? Doing great, man. Doing great. Good to be back on the show and uh, looking forward to talking some hoops. I got the field of 68 tonight at 11 p.m., so tune into that. That's on SiriusXM and uh, stream live on YouTube, so this this will give me this will help me get prepared for that tonight at 11 p.m. Late late night for me tonight. There you go. And, and uh, one of the things that I'm sure you'll be talking about here is this situation that really has has developed with Brandon Miller, and we'll start things off with that. Now, not only has this situation with Darius Miles, it hasn't really tainted the season, if you will. It's been a almost an asterisk next to it, not in terms of what's happened on the court, but just off of it and the way the season's gone. But now, Brandon Miller, I mean, we we, we talk about this guy being one of the best, if not the best, player in the country. Uh, he is mentioned right there with Victor Wimbanyama, and as far as the NBA draft is concerned, probably the next guy up after him to be selected. Now, all of a sudden, he's getting brought into it, and as it has been reported, he is the one that provided the gun to Darius Miles that ended up in uh, the shooting and, and the murder uh, of somebody in, in Tuscaloosa. Obviously, a situation you don't want to be a part of. Where, where do we go from here in regards to this? I mean, does Brandon Miller still play? I don't think you can do that if you're Nate Oates, but his comments weren't necessarily the most well-received, if you will. No, they weren't, and I, I think if he gets an opportunity to speak again, um, I think he'll talk to that, um, and I, I think that's something to look after uh, or look out for. I, I, you know, first and foremost, you know, this situation is sad, and it's sad not because Brandon Miller's, you know, eligibility career is hanging in the balance over this whole deal. It's sad because someone lost their life, tragically. Yeah. So I think we've got to start there first when we talk about this whole situation that, that, that is a sad deal uh, that someone tragically lost their life that someone's you know daughter that someone's you know white whoever um, she may have been she to, to lose the, her life the way she did and uh, that's tragic so let's start there but you know I, I think in terms of this situation whether or not Brandon Miller should have played in these games leading up to this and with what's coming out now there's no way this was just Nate Oates' decision. Mm-hmm. There's too many people involved. There's too many people involved at the University of Alabama. There's too much at stake. There is no way that this is this is Nate Oates. This is the athletic director. This is the president. This is everyone making sure that Brandon Miller has done nothing wrong and should not have been pulled out of the game. I can assure you of that. This is the AD was involved. The president was involved law enforcement, and as long as everyone was communicating and being forthright and honest and cooperating with the investigation, I think the athletic director and the president ultimately make the call of whether or not Brandon Miller should be out there on the floor. Uh, that's just my opinion. I, I don't think this is a Nate Oates' call at all. Um, and as things unfold here, if more information comes out, uh, it'll be interesting to see because I think in some of the articles that you read, law enforcement has you know has said um, we, we found Brandon Miller to not be guilty of anything. Now, does that change? And if it does change, absolutely. I think you'll see the University of Alabama take him off the floor. Uh, but again, as long as he was cooperating and everyone was cooperating, I think it's difficult for the university to make that decision 
uh, when a kid's career hangs in the balance. But um, that's that's neither here nor there. This was a tragic situation, and you know, one that's that's very very unfortunate, uh, but mostly because someone lost their life. One one hundred percent. Again, Matt McCall joining the Sports Drive now, and and, uh, and to Nato's credit, in those comments, I think it was. The whole wrong wrong place at the wrong time thing was, I think, the worst part about that. But he did mention, like, we've been cooperating with the with law enforcement this entire time. So it's not like a, well, it was, it's not like he, he just left that out and we haven't been ta- talking to the police at all and, and, and Brandon's still been playing. Meanwhile, it's we've been talking to them and answering questions and, and all of that. So it seems like the process has been, you know, very, very much so by, by the book, if you will. Do, do you think that up until this is resolved that that Brandon still continues to play or do you do you think that they sit him or is that is that more of a NATO's decision or do you think that is a a president decision even still further above NATO's and whether or not Brandon Miller sees the floor for however long it takes to to get some more details about this yeah I, I think this whole situation is way above NATO's decision I, I think this is this has got to be the president this has to be the athletic director board of trustees everybody involved at the University of Alabama in terms of making high, high-level decisions is going to be involved in this one. Um, this is not just a NATO's decision. And again, you know, they're having so much success this year, even with all of this going on, um, to me is, is even crazier when you really think about it because you know it's, yeah. you know it's in the back of Brandon Miller's mind. You know it's in the back of Coach Oates' mind. You, you know it is. But uh, I think this situation, this is above him. I think this has got to be the high higher-ups in the university that ultimately need to make this call. Um, But, again, if they've been cooperating with law enforcement, that's where it's it's such a touchy situation because if you take him off the floor and he has not done anything wrong, uh, you know, you're you're hurting his career and you're hurting his career moving forward. Um, But if he, you know, if if he plays and something else comes out, it's a very – it's a yeah. touchy situation. It's a touchy situation for sure, and a difficult one. And this is not a decision that a Division One head coach should be making. Uh, needs to be cooperating with everyone involved. Needs to be communicating on a daily basis with his athletic director, uh, and the athletic director needs to be communicating with the president. And then ultimately, and especially, I mean, we're talking about the University of Alabama. We're not talking about a low major school. We're talking about one of the biggest and, you know, best athletic departments in the country. Yeah. So I, I think this decision, this is not on Nate Oates' plate. Um, you know, uh, he's got to be communicating with his athletic director every day. His athletic director's got to be communicating with the president and board of trustees. And the, it'll be interesting to see, especially as more information comes out, uh, what they decide to do. Matt McCall joining the Sports Drive now. College basketball analyst with ESPN and as well as a a former coach at Chattanooga and UMass, national champion assistant at his alma mater in Florida. You kind of led me to my next question there and that regarding getting to the things on the floor for Alabama. Where where do they go from here? I mean, having all this distraction, I mean, obviously you can really only control what you can control, but given that all of this stuff has happened, how do you think they managed to continue playing good basketball right now? The uh, NCAA met in Indianapolis, the committee, and came up with a, a mock uh, top four in the region, in the regions, if you will, and Alabama is number one overall on that list. Well, I think they've done an unbelievable job up to this point. Um, yeah. But today was really the first day that Brandon Miller's name got brought into it. 
And how does he handle that as such a young player uh, in college basketball? And now that becomes a distraction for him. Now, he may have known that this was going to come out at some point. I don't, I don't know. I don't have that information. We've got to see the other information that comes out. But how does he handle it? Because he's such an important piece to their team. Um, again, if he did nothing wrong and law enforcement found him not, you know, guilty of nothing, now this is coming out. His name's being brought up in such a tragic event. How does he handle it? I think that's the biggest key for Alabama. And again, if as long as, as he wasn't involved and no one says he's involved and law enforcement have done their job and he steps foot on that basketball court, how does he block all that out? Because that's got to be a lot for him to deal with at such a, you know, as for such a young player uh, in college basketball. And that's all anybody wants to talk about today. Nobody else hmm. is talking about the great games that we have on tap tonight. you got Tennessee and Texas A&M playing. Uh, huge one in the Big East in Creighton and Marquette. But nobody wants to talk about that. Everyone wants to talk about the situation uh, at Alabama, and it's unfortunate, and it's, it's drawing so much negative attention to that program. And again, it was a tragic event, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they play it out moving forward. And if, if Brandon Miller didn't do anything wrong, how does he handle all this negative attention that he's now getting because all year it's been 100% positive for him. Yeah, well, and, and with that being said, we're going to transition to some more stuff in college hoops, and I've talked about this a little bit throughout today. Chris Reynolds uh, joined Andy Katz, and they were talking a little bit about the decision pro- the decision-making process and what this sort of an exercise in seeding the top, or putting together the top 16 seeds in the country and then separating them, them in regions goes. And one of the things that Chris had talked about, who is – the chair of the D1 men's basketball uh, committee had said it was, look, we, we knew and could say firmly Alabama, Houston, Kansas, and Purdue were the top four seeds. But after that, looking at, at what would be the number twos, I mean, you can make a case for almost everybody on this list from four all the way or from five all the way to 16 that they have a spot or could belong in as a two or, or a three seed. It goes to show you how good college basketball has been not only with the SEC, Matt, but also in the Big 12, which could be the best overall conference that we have in the country this year. Oh, it's, and that's what's going to make you know that tournament in March so much fun to watch. That first weekend, so much fun to watch. I mean, the first round games, you know, you're going to have such competitive uh, games in the first and second round. So. Uh, look forward to that. I think the parity in college basketball is as good as it's been um, and as good as it's ever been. And there's going to be some really, really good games, as there always is, but especially this year. I mean, you're going to see, you know, you, you could see a, a, an 8-9 game, you know, involving the Kentucky Wildcats, like as crazy as that sounds, right? You could see an 8-9 game with that. That game tonight between Creighton and Marquette, you make a case, the two best teams in the Big East with Xavier, that is an NCAA tournament game. So I'm looking forward to that tournament in March. Absolutely. Uh, as of my Matt McCall joining the Sports Drive now, um, and another good – I mean, we, we talk about Baylor and Kansas State, two playing right now. I mean, there's so many good games tonight. I mean, we got a bevy of them. And as we, you know, tone down the season, we get into conference championship play and – Florida seem to be on their not necessarily out of it unless they have some sort of a miraculous run in the SEC in the SEC tournament. But we've seen them before, Matt. Where 
you know, Texas A&M had a great run and still came up short. Is there anything that 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 you see from teams that are maybe in but need to get a little hot to to make some noise here? Is there anybody that you think people need to look out for as we head into this last week or two of February and as we get into March in those conference tournaments? Well, I think, again, going back to Kentucky, I think Kentucky's in the field. Uh, but I think to get themselves some momentum, they need to have a good end to the season here. And they need to win some games in the SEC tournament to build some more momentum so they can maybe make a run and get out of the first weekend uh, of the tournament. They're the first team that, that really pops into my mind when, when you're talking about a team that needs momentum. I mean, this would be crazy to even think about having an NCAA tournament that doesn't have Kentucky and doesn't have North Carolina in it. I mean, I would love to know the last year that that was the case. The two blue bloods in college basketball both missing out on the tournament. But I think as, as of today, Carolina's outside looking in. Uh, I think Kentucky's in. But they need to win some games down the stretch here to get some momentum to try and get themselves out of the first round of the tournament, uh, which is something they haven't done here recently and uh, over the last couple of years. Yeah, and that being said, I mean, even Duke, I mean, you look at the Blue Devils, and they, they, they've, they've helped themselves out a little bit, but they're all, they've also been in discussions. Could they potentially you know, fall out of things uh, based on where they're at? Matt McCall joining the Sports Drive now. Uh, final thing, I'll ask you about college hoops before we get to something with the NBA. Florida State have really had, I guess to put it bluntly, a, a relatively horrible season. Uh, really got off to a bad start. They've had... A decent ACC schedule, but overall the record is not is not up to par with what they're used to seeing. Is there any reason that you think the athletic department and, and whoever at FSU may say, well, we need to look into Leonard Hamilton a little bit, or do you think it's way too early for that? I think personally he comes back at least for another year because he's a legend there, and he's one of the best college basketball coaches we've seen here over the last two decades or whatever. But do you think there's any any thought process going into what we've seen this season with the future of Leonard Hamilton at FSU? Not at all. I mean, Leonard Hamilton has built enough equity at FSU that he's one of those guys when he says it's time to walk away, that's when it's time to walk away. And nobody should tell him when to walk away. That's, that's his decision uh, because of what he's done and what he's done at, at FSU is, is remarkable. You know, um, obviously I'm a Billy guy and um, always indebted to Coach Donovan, you know, 11 years on his bench. And I don't think what he he did at Florida will ever be done again. And if there's any Gator fans listening, that's not to say that they can't get to the tournament in years. That's not to say they can't make a Final Four run. That's not to say they can't win a national championship. Uh, I think they can do all those things. But how good Florida was over Coach Donovan's 19-year mm. career there I just don't think it'll ever be done again. And I think the same thing for Leonard Hamilton, the amount of success that he's had over his career there, that's going to be very, very hard to duplicate uh, for any coach. It's just been an unbelievable job and an unbelievable career at Florida State. So, you know, this year was, I'm sure he, he's dis as disappointed as anyone. The one thing about Florida State, and I don't think fans really understand this, is Coach Hamilton had such continuity on his coaching staff over these last 10 years mm. with CY young and Dennis Gates. Those two guys, especially were on his bench for a very, very long time 
along with Stan Jones, who's still there with him. And obviously Dennis left and went to Cleveland State, had great success, and is having unbelievable success at Missouri. But CY is now his associate head coach at Missouri. You're talking about two guys that were really, really important to that program and that program's success, and he lost them. And he had those guys for so long. Those three assistant coaches were together for so long. And that's how you have high, high-level success at places, is when you can get continuity and chemistry amongst your staff. And he had that. And I think that's why you saw Florida State take a little bit of a dip this year. Not only did they lose really, really good players, they lost some really good coaches and coaches that have been with Coach Hamilton for a long time. But I think when Coach Hamilton says it's time for him to hang it up and you know, go stick his toes in the sand and enjoy the beach. That's when it's time for him to do that, and I think that should be 100% his decision. Matt McCall joining the Sports Drive now. Final thing for you, shifting gears to the NBA. So the All-Star Weekend just uh, came in as is now gone, uh, celebration of the game. But some of the I, – I, to me, I always love it because it's basketball, and, you know, it is a celebration of the game, but there is – some conversation, you know, the the overall game has kind of gone stale. You know, it's there's no defense. It's not really a game that I want to watch. Is there any? I know that there's a possibility of this because Major League Baseball did it to invigorate some more competitiveness in that game. Hey, uh, whoever wins is going to host the World Series that that conference. I don't know if they go back to just doing the East versus the West, but is that something that you? would like to see does it not matter to you if the NBA was like look we're going to do east versus west and whoever wins that conference is going to have home court advantage come the NBA finals yeah I, I gotta be honest I did not tune in uh I saw the score on the okay. treadmill uh, the next morning um you know I think there was close to almost 200 points scored by one of the teams oh yeah I, I just it's it's so bad uh, and, and this is coach speak, right? It's such bad basketball in terms of no defense. It doesn't look like guys really care. I know they're having fun, but when you just allow a guy just to blow past you and you throw it off the backboard and dunk it yourself, I think you got to put some kind of incentives in there uh, because there's a lot of young players watching those games and watching that game in particular, and you don't want those guys picking up bad habits. I don't know what the league can do. I know it's fun for the players. You can see them having fun. But if you even go back to the days of Magic and Michael and Larry, like those guys were competing in that game. Yeah. And they were competing at a pretty high level. Uh, that's just not the case anymore. It's, it's just turned into, like Jalen Brown said, you know, glorified layup lines. I mean, that's what it is. It's glorified layup lines. Let me show you what I can do with layup lines uh, and get the crowd to go ooh and ah. So I don't know what the league should do. I don't have an answer. Uh, but I think, you know, especially just for how many people and, and young kids that are tuning into that game, this is not reality, and you need to understand that. Uh, and make it more competitive so it is more entertaining to watch. You know, I think the night before the game with some of the dunk contests and different shooting contests, like that to me is more entertaining than the actual game itself. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what the answer is, but I think they got to do something to make that game just just mean a little more and, and be more entertaining to watch because you know no no basketball fan really wants to see 108 you know 188 to 165 I can promise you that that actually leads me to one more thing based on what you said load management NBA trade demands have been a little bit of a talking point forget the trade demands load management Anthony Edwards is like look and one thing that disappoints me is that these guys aren't all playing and there might be fans that go to one game and 
you want to be able to play for them and put a smile on their face and be able to, and then have them be able to say, I saw them play. We don't really have that issue in college basketball, obviously, but is that one thing that if you could have it fixed in the NBA, would it be load management and having all these guys play? I mean, MJ played 82 games, played every game in the playoffs, played sick, played hurt, whatever it is. I mean, he made sure he was playing. Yeah, I mean, that's why he's the GOAT. I don't, I mean, you can argue with me all you want. All the LeBron fans, the UK can say it. There, there's nobody ever uh, that's come close to him. I have great respect for LeBron, but, you know, what Michael did, like you said, played in every single game, never rested, played, you know, essentially in six straight NBA finals. One um, every single one of them, yep. One every, one every one of them took a break to play some baseball and came right back and did the same thing again. So, um, you know, I, I, I think the game is evolving so much and there's so much analytics involved now. And, um, yeah, I think it's it's more to the general managers, uh, you know, the, the front office, those people are involved. And it's not just the players making the decision to say, I'm going to sit tonight. Um, it's more of a higher-up decision within organizations. So I just think the game is in a different place than it was when Michael was playing, and I think that, that this load management deal is, is now a part of it, and it's something that every single organization has to deal with. And unfortunately, like Anthony Edwards says, fans, you know, you pay, you save to pay. I'll never forget this. I, I went to a Yankee game, my first Yankee game ever in Yankee Stadium, and Derek Jeter was playing, and of course he played, but A-Rod set out. And I'm like, well, why is that? This is the only Yankee game I've ever been to. And A-Rod, <laughs> as a fan, I was really disappointed. A-Rod was resting, and I didn't understand why A-Rod was resting. Mm. Um, but, I, you know, I, I just think it's a part of the game now, and it is what it is. And it's just kind of, uh, you know, as fans, we got to deal with it, but Every single organization is doing it, and that's a that's a general manager decision mm. nine times out of ten. He's Matt McCall, college basketball analyst. You can uh, catch him on the Field of 68. I can vouch for the Field of 68. They do a great job. Jeff Goodman, uh, John Fanta, all everybody over there, Matt McCall included. Fantastic stuff. Thanks for coming on the show as always, Matt. I appreciate it. You got it, man. Have a great night.